And how many know God blessed her to get it so she could be able to continue to further her education? Uh, in, in, in modern school, you can't do it without a computer. Yeah, you can't, go, you can't show up with a notepad and a pencil and be able to make it. Uh, not on day one when they tell you your research assignment is to go on the Internet and do A, B, and C. And so we're just thankful to God that we were able to help so many. There was another sister that was here, and some of her, she was here all day. Some of her friends decided they were going to leave earlier in the day once they received their book bags. She said, you know what, I'm just going to hang around here because I need to be around God. That was what she told us. Next thing she knows, they call her name to receive the laptop as well. And we were just telling her, this is what happens when you, when you are hungry for God. Amen? Yes, indeed. And so we just had a beautiful time. We have already started planning for next year. And it's going to be bigger and better. We had our first meeting today. And so we just praise God. I want to take a moment and just thank God. Father, I just want to thank you. Everything we prayed for, you exceeded that and more. And God, we are stewards of the individuals that you sent to us. And God, as we seek to minister to them from this day forward, we're asking for the same presence of your spirit that was with us on this past Saturday to be with us as we continue to minister to them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for answering our prayer. Thank you for every member in this church that filled a book bag. Thank you for every member in this church that went to Walmart, went up and down the aisles and trying to find stuff. Thank you for the sacrifice they made. Thank you for them buying school supplies even before they bought school supplies for their own family. Thank you for the sacrifice that was made. And God, we were able to be a blessing. Your name was glorified and we give your name the praise. And so before we go further in this service, we have to pause and recognize the great God that was in our midst. And we say, thank you, God. Thank you for going ahead of us. Thank you for being in the planning. Thank you, God, for protection. Thank you, God, for, for provision. You are our awesome God. And we praise you tonight. You are worthy. Thank you for blessing the right people with what they needed, God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as we move forward in our 40 for family experience, we're asking that your blessings continue to be with us. Here's our prayer in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. And amen. Somebody say ready. ready. Somebody say set. set. Somebody say go. go. Amen. This weekend, we just want to be, a, be a, a reminder to you before we get into the word tonight. This weekend, uh, we have Minister Eric Thomas, who is going to be with us. And I strongly encourage you. Uh, to try to find as many people as you can to be here on this Sabbath. This brother is phenomenal. He has an awesome story and an awesome ministry. He is a former high school dropout from Detroit, Michigan, uh, homeless, went down to Oakwood College with nothing. You've heard that story before. And now he is f completing his Ph.D. at Michigan State University. He has a he has a he has a following of over 50,000 people on the Internet to his weekly uh, video blogs. He has been called upon by Michael Jordan, by the Miami Dolphins, by baseball teams, by Dan Gilbert's Quicken Loans um, uh, uh, Corporation to come and provide motivational speaking and talks for them. And he has consented to come and hang out with the little folk in Cleveland this weekend. And I am so excited about Eric coming here. Eric, uh, this is a bold statement I'm about to make, but he is my personally, he is my personal favorite speaker. I can sit and listen to this brother all day long. That's a bold statement, what I just said right there. I love this brother. He loves God. He's going to be with us three times on Sabbath, actually four, Friday night. He's going to be with our teens downstairs. Sabbath morning, he will be with us. Remember now, because we're in 40 for family, we start at, at 9 o'clock. Our 9 o'clock from, from 10 o'clock is going to be breakfast and fellowship downstairs. We encourage you to do that. Uh, we'll be serving bagel breakfast. Amen, somebody. And then at 10 o'clock, we will have our first session with Eric Thomas. And that will take us to about 11.15. Then at 11.30, we'll go to our second session. And then in the afternoon, he's going to be with all of our leadership team. If you are a leader in this church, you hold any position, we are encouraging you to come back Sabbath afternoon at 5 o'clock. Uh, to receive what really is worth about $10,000 worth of information. And this brother is coming to us uh, for little to nothing. So we want to take advantage of that which God is bringing to us. Who says amen? Amen. amen. Now, I need, I need to ask you one more other favor before we get started. This is just a little housekeeping stuff. On Wednesday nights, uh, we are only doing 40 for Family on Wednesday and Sabbath. So it, I was amazed last week that just uh, seven days ago on Wednesday night, when Marette Brown Clark was here, 
Uh, it was standing room only, and folk would say to me, "Well, it was it was a bunch of community folk." Yes, it was, but I saw a lot of I saw a lot of Glenville members up in the house too. <laughs> you saw them too, didn't you? You saw some folk that never come on Wednesday night, didn't you? Which tells me they can come. Oh, yes, they can. Yeah, they can come. It's just depending on whether they want to come. I want you to encourage your brothers and sisters in the Lord to be here tonight. I ain't scared. I'm, the, the Lord has given me a word tonight, and I feel like it's well worth being here. And so we encourage you to encourage others. If you are watching the uh, uh, streaming, we encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights and Sabbaths. Amen. I want to invite you to go with me to the book of uh, Genesis. I'm about to say the book of Noah. Go to the book of Genesis. I'm going to start there tonight. I'm going to ask to put it on the screen. I'm going to be talking over the next three nights about family worship. I'm going to give you just enough to go out and buy my book. Amen. <laughs> Which will be coming out in September. So I say praise the Lord. Yes, indeed. And so Glenville is going to be the first ones to receive the copies. The first 200 copies are going to be sold right here at this church. And we're hoping that it will be a blessing to you. And so uh, we want to first establish that uh, over the next 40 days, somebody saying, why are we calling this 40 for family when we're only here on Wednesday and Sabbath? Well, can I explain to you why? I'm glad you asked. Reason why is because the 40, somebody say 40. 40. The 40 piece doesn't take place here. Amen. This is what we call a, a household revival. So you're only going to get out of this what you put into it. What we are encouraging you to do, uh, you know, like we're not, somebody asked me, you guys are having church for 40 days? I was like, yeah. And they were like, where? We're doing it at home. We're doing it where, everybody? <laughs> we're doing it at home. So, so, so the challenge is simply this, that you have family worship, for lack of a better word, household worship, that, that, that once a day for the next 38 days we have left in this process, uh, that you spend time with those that live in your house in some kind of devotional or spiritual exercises, be it prayer, praise, or reading and studying the word of God. We're at, how many watch TV with your family members? Yeah. How many did it recently? Yeah, yeah, you did. And, you know, it's funny how we do those activities uh, readily. We don't eat together anymore, but, but what we do with those other activities, but we definitely, if there's anything we should be doing together, we ought to be worshiping together. Uh, how, how do people know that your house is God's house if y'all don't ever do anything that entreats or calls upon the presence of God? Your house ain't Christian because you there. Your house is Christian because you're doing stuff there that's Christian. And Christians seek God. A Christian's house, there ought to be, a, when I come to your home, there ought to be a time where I know that that house is spending time with God. Your house ain't Christian if y'all ain't spending time with God. Oh, come on in here, somebody. So you're not waiting to get to church to have a revival. You're having revival at home. Your experience is not dependent upon a gospel artist coming to church or your pastor delivering the word, Teresa. But your experience is, is determined upon your hunger. Somebody say hunger. Your hunger for God. Period. And that hunger is you, you, you are you are. How, how should I say this? You are uh, meeting the need of your hunger on your own in your house with those that are there. That is a requirement as a Christian that your house have regular seasons of time in the presence of God. Did you hear what I just said? I believe that if we begin to do that, then we will begin to see the revival. Many of us want to go to a revival. I'm saying, why don't you have one in your house? Amen? Take out this little piece of paper. I'm going to simply just walk you through some stuff that we're going to do. And this is the 40 days. If we're not doing this, you're not, you're not a part of the 40-day thing. The 40-day thing is not wearing a shirt. This is 40 days right here. I want to be clear on this. The 40 days of family is this. It's being committed Taking the challenge that once a day, no matter what day it is, we are going to spend time in God's presence as a family. I didn't say for two hours. I didn't say for four hours. I said you will commit that at some point you will spend time with God. Right. Amen. Amen. Take a look here. It says here's some tips. Oh, 
Let me, uh, the other side, purpose. It says, family household worship challenge. Number one, to pray for the outpouring of what, everybody? The spirit on the 40 for family revival series. Read with me. The second one is to do what? To pray for the healing and restoration of your family and others. Number three, what else? To pray for many souls to come to Christ during this series. And number four, to revive consistent, life-changing family worship in the home. I'm assuming that, like, at my house, you're schizophrenic with your relationship with God. I'm the pastor, but I'm just being honest with you. We don't have worship every day. That's why we're doing this. (laughs) I'm not doing it. (laughs) I'm assuming (laughs) that maybe my members may not be doing it as consistent as they should be doing it as well. And it's not because we don't love God. It's just that life has a way of getting in the way of God sometimes. And we begin to forget what really matters. Yes, yes, yes. So understand, brothers and sisters, here's the revival. I want to be clear on this. The revival is not the red shirt. The revival is not what happens on Sabbath. Those are just those are just enhancements. The revival is we are taking the challenge that for the next 38 days. Hold on. Let me be real specific because I know I got my little countdowns (laughs) Uh, for the next 38, five weeks, three days. Four hours, 24 minutes, and 49, 48, 47 seconds, we are going to commit that we are going to transform our homes into places of worship. Who's down? Who's down? That's what we're asking for. That's what we're asking for. Take a look. It says, God wants our relationship to be what? What's that word I said, everybody? A continuous lifestyle of what? Sacred worship to him. Not just at church, but at, come on, but where? Primarily. Take the challenge and have worship as a household, family, once a day for 40 days. If you live alone or are away from your family, partner with a friend or a family member via the telephone. So what I'm saying to you is this, be very be very clear. Between now and tomorrow, if you are a single person, you live by yourself, you are going to find somebody that you're going to partner with, to pray with on the phone, to spend time with with God. In other words, you will have worship with somebody once a day for the next 40 days. Amen. Amen. And I got a suggestion for you. If you are by yourself at home, we have a prayer line. Amen. Amen. That that is facilitated by other family members that that prays at six o'clock every morning that prays at 12 o'clock amen at noon every day that prays what's the other time 6 p.m and then at 9 p.m so there are four times a day if you are by yourself you don't have a household family like the Edmonds. there's not a nuclear family you need or you might be in a a household full of folks that don't even believe god whatever the situation is what i'm telling you is you have no excuse There are opportunities and options out there for you in order to seek God. I want to be clear on this. The revival that is about to happen in Glenville is not going to be a Pastor Edmonds-led revival. The revival, we're not going to be able to stand back at the end of this and say, I enjoyed the speakers, or I didn't enjoy the speakers, or I liked the music, or I didn't like the music. I didn't go to the block party. I didn't like Marette Brown Clark, so I didn't get anything out of 40 for family. Oh, no, 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 no. See, you're going to be able to say, I didn't get anything out of 40 for family because I didn't put nothing in it. Or you're going to be able to say, I was blessed by this experience because I made the commitment and I took the challenge that over the next 40 days, I was going to set my face. I like how Hezekiah says it. I'm going to set my face to seek God that's it that's the revival the revival is on you (laughs) how many how many how many want what God has for you praise God can I teach you a few things to help you to do that can I teach you a few things I want to start in Genesis now I heard something yesterday from a friend of mine that I thought was quite humorous and although it's not totally um biblically correct it does make a good point. All right. Just follow what I'm saying. In, in Genesis, uh, the I want to say the ninth chapter, go to Genesis uh, chapter nine. And I just want to talk about it for a second. The Bible says in Genesis nine that that this is post Noah and his seven other family members. There were eight of them on an ark 
Because God destroyed the earth with a... And they were on the ark for how long? How many days did I say, everybody? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? How many days were on there? Now, now, here's the crazy thing. Zach, I had always in my imagination, it wasn't just eight human beings on that boat. By the way, it wasn't that big. The boat was not that big. I know in like uh, the renderings and the pictures, they make it look real, real big. It wasn't that big at all. So think about this. Anybody ever traveled with family members before? <laughs> Either by the end of their trip, y'all love each other or you hate each other, right? Okay. So understand now, you have on this, you have on this, this boat <laughs> for 40 days, family members, in-laws, <laughs> outlaws, and animals. In close quarters for 40 days and 40 nights. Sounds like what we're about to do. Now, in my mind, I, I picture Noah and his family like having worship and just praising God and people just smiling and just cleaning up the manure and just they just having a, they just glad that they are alive. And, you know, I thought about that thing. I said maybe for like the first seven days. That was cool. But 40 days is like six weeks, y'all. That's a long time. After a while, I believe they started getting on one another's nerves. I believe that the animals started driving them crazy, but I really think that they started driving one another crazy. Is, it, does it happen in your household every now and then? That, 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 that it, doesn't matter, it doesn't say that you don't love each other, but, but I have found that family members can drive one another crazy more than anybody else. Your co-workers don't get your goat like your husband does. Come on, tell the truth in here. Your classmates in school don't get on your nerves like your brothers and sisters do. So for 40 days, I'm just guessing, maybe day 21, I mean, Noah and his wife start going at it. And then Noah and, and then, and then the, the children, Ham, Shem, and Japheth start going at it against each other, and their wives start going at it. And then the animals are acting crazy, and, and, then, and they're waiting for the raven to come back, and it ain't come back yet. And, and they are getting frustrated now because they are ready for God to do something. And I think, I, I, this is my imagination, I just think things start falling apart. Thank God that the 40 days came to an end, amen? But you know what happened immediately after those 40 days? The Bible says that Noah got drunk. Now, may, may I say, may I say exact, that's exactly what I'm about to say. A lot of times we're real hard on Noah, right, for getting drunk. Man, if you were on a boat with your family members <laughs> and animals for 40 days in, in the worst storm in Earth's history. I'm not encouraging us to drink when we have problems, but I feel Noah. <laughs> Noah, I believe. The scripture doesn't say it, but this is just my imagination. I think Noah was so worn down by being so in close proximity to his family that Noah looked for an anesthetizer to calm his nerves. Now, you may not drink, but we all find an escape from our families. For some of you, it's your office. For some of you, it's golf. For some of you, it's staying at work all day. For some of you, it's just giving folks the silent treatment in your house and not saying nothing to nobody. For some of you, you walk in your house, close the door, stay in your room until it's time to come out. I don't know what it is. For some of you, you zone out on TV. I just don't believe the Bible says, notice what the scripture says, if two or three are gathered together in his name and we're always applying that to church like 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 God is more concerned about how we behave here than he is concerned about how we behave at home. Can I can I just punch us in the face real quick with a Holy Ghost punch uh, just to wake us up a little bit? God is more concerned about our walk with him outside of this building then he's concerned with what we do when we're in here. So it would behoove us to invest more energy not in what we do in here but more energy in what we do outside of here. So, so, so 
instead of Noah getting drunk, I want to suggest to us tonight that Noah should have had worship. <laughs> well, and listen, this, and this is one of the hardest things to do. You know, uh, if my wife and I get in an argument or if, uh, you know, there's drama in the house, man, we don't, you don't want worship. I mean, like, let's have worship now. What, for real? Like, let's spend time with God. Let's pray. I mean, it almost sounds like you're trying to be super spiritual. I mean, if, come on, anybody married folk in here, if you've had a knockdown drag out with your spouse and then your spouse says, let's pray, you're like, this ain't the time nor the place to do this. Because it does not agree with flesh. It doesn't agree with flesh. And, and, and principle number one that I want to help us to understand right now is you are always at war. There is never a minute that Satan decides that he is no longer trying to war and destroy you or your family. So it behooves you that you should never take spiritual vacations uh, 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 in your home, in your life. Uh, uh, you, you, can't, you can't get into these cycles, as I have done, of, of television and, and work and, 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 and miss out on those moments when you pull your family together, when you pull those in your house together, and, and you come before the great God of the universe that has power to change your circumstance. Let me tell you right now, I cannot go into detail, but, 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 but my family, since we have started this, has gotten hit with an attack from the enemy. If I talk about it too long, I'm going to start crying. And, I, and, and, and my wife understands and knows, I mean, they, I hate the devil. I hate his God. He has no mercy. None. I mean, he, 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 he is so evil. He is not chilling like we are. There, he's not Laodicean and lukewarm. He is ferocious. He doesn't care if it's a kid. He doesn't care if it's, if it's an older person who is late in the, He hates our guts. And this is why I'm telling you this. This is why this revival is so important. Because you must take over the authority. Hallelujah. You must take the authority that God has given you over your home, over your life. You cannot allow the devil to push you around and to bully you. But you must accept and you must and you must operate in the authority. Hallelujah. I love that word. In the authority that God has given you over the enemy. Do you realize that God has given Hallelujah. That God has. Thank you, Jesus. That God has given you authority. Oh, I love that word. God has given you authority over the enemy because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus, you have authority, the word of God says, to put your head, your foot on the devil's neck. The devil has no right to come in and out of your home and raise up mess and stir up trouble and cause division. But we need bold saints that will declare that they are warriors for God and they stand up with zeal and conviction in their eyes and say, I will not allow the enemy to break up my marriage. I will not allow the enemy to come and run rush out over my children. But I will stand on the word of God. I will take the authority that is mine through the sacrifice of Jesus and I will declare war against him and the way that we do it is not the way Noah did it Noah got tired of his folk and we know it got bad after that he ended up cursing one of his sons because of an inappropriate sexual encounter that we see in the scriptures you do know that don't you and so what he should have done was seek God oh that's that's that simple what is the solution to bringing about a revival and a spiritual life transformation in our homes? It is when God's people come back to God at home. And the simplest vehicle that we can use to do that is household worship. It's got to happen. It can't be optional. It can't be dispensable. It has got, if it's just two of y'all and, and you got empty nests and your kids are gone, don't chill out on it now because you don't got any kids anymore. You have got to stay alert. You got to be like an MP who is standing guard at night who realizes that if I allow the enemy to have one foothold, if I let one crack be seen before the enemy, how many know he will come in 
That's why the Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood. How many know But the Bible says but the spirit. Hallelujah. Of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. But know this. He is trying to come in like a flood. So let's get some principles real quick. All right. Uh, You guys are going to have to move the slides for me. I don't know if I can, but I'll try. Oh, okay, it worked. Um, (laughs) Amazingly, between 70 and 88% of Christian teens, we have said this, leave the church when they are college age. I just read something today that 90%, how many did I say everybody? 90% of our kids will leave the church by the time of their second year in college. 90%. Fathers and mothers may study their own character in their children. (laughs) Oh, y'all missed that right there. They may often read humiliating lessons (laughs) in your kids. (laughs) Uh, As they see their own imperfections reproduced, can I get a witness in here, in their sons and daughters. Anybody that got kids that see yourself in your kids, and it's humiliating. Somebody say amen. While seeking to repress and correct in, uh, in their children hereditary, oh, have mercy, stuff you gave to them, tendencies to evil, parents should call to their uh, aid double what? So the more of yourself you see in your kids, you shouldn't be super hard. You should be doubly patient. It says call double patience, perseverance, And love. This is from the book uh, Adventist Home, chapter 26, Parents' Legacy to Their Children. Why do I bring that up? If we're losing kids like this, if if our our homes are are being decimated by the enemy, if our marriages are falling apart, if if, if our kids are having identity crisis, I mean, the things that are going on in our families, consider this. What if 90% of our kids couldn't read? Walk, talk, or potty. Or, or, or be potty trained by 18. Let's just say 90% of our kids couldn't read, uh, they couldn't walk, or they couldn't talk. And they're, like, and they're 18, they're 19, 20 years old, they can't do any of that. We would raise holy hell. Amen. We'd do something about it, wouldn't we? Yeah. It amazes me how we often react to the natural, but we do nothing to react to the spiritual. Right. We, according to what I just told you, this is just an illustration, 90% of our kids are leaving the church. Uh, more than half of our marriages are falling apart. Uh, most of our kids have no knowledge of what the assurance of salvation is, according to studies. If you ask our kids, are you, uh, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? They would not be able to tell you how to have that. And so consider that and that there's an enemy out there that is one third of the angels of heaven that spends his, his life. That spends every breathing moment trying to get your child molested, trying to get your child messed up in the mind, trying to get your child caught up in the legal system, trying to get your child to make dumb decisions, trying to get your husband to to, to, to walk away with another woman, trying to get a wife to remain in unforgiveness, trying to get a family to stay divided and siblings not talk to each other for years and relatives not deal with each other for years and for there to be fakeness and mess in the home. Understand for a minute, you cannot just sit back and say, God will make a way. You have to be on the offensive and you must attack the enemy at the root of the problem and this is what I have said over and over and over and over again if you want to know what the devil is afraid of just look and see at what he tries to keep you from doing the Bible says in Deuteronomy 6 Bible says, uh, let me go back here. Y'all have to work this for me because this remote is not. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is what, everybody? Our God, the Lord, uh, the Lord alone. And, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart. We've heard this. And all your strength, all your soul and all your strength. And you must commit. I like that word. You must commit. Move that slide for me, guys. You must commit wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. And then it says, repeat them again. And again to your children, talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and, and, when, and when you are going to bed and when you are getting up and tie them to your hands and wear them on your 
uh, come on, and on your forehead as reminders, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Uh, the Bible goes on to say in Genesis 4, Adam made love to his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God, hey guys, you're going to have to move the slides for me because the remote's not working, right. has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Verse 26, Seth also had a son, next uh, scripture, and he named him what? Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. I want you to show you two things here. First thing, we saw that key scripture I showed you, that first parents and household leaders or whoever, the first responsibility of all of us is to love God, right? It says, then when we love God, it says, then we can impress it or inspire it on those that we know. It says, and the way that we inspire it is that we have to talk about it when we're lying down, talking about it when we get up. You know what that is? Uh, that's worship. This, just this morning, and this is our practice, when we get into the car, we worship. From the time I leave 3802 Shannon Road, Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and get to uh, Rama Junior Academy, our whole time spent in that car with my kids and Ziana is in worship. Because I want to inspire them and impress this thing upon my children. I don't know. See, when my children leave my presence, oh, my God, they have to leave covered. Amen. And listen, it's not just children. Whoever you are, how can you live with somebody and you just cool with them leaving the house and you ain't covered them? Amen. You got a wife and you're going to let your wife get up before you to get to work. And she's going to leave and go to work. And because you was too tired to get up, you left her uncovered. Or vice versa. Can you hear what I'm saying to you in here? Huh? And I'm preaching to myself. You have got to, we have got to realize, even though it's a good day, the weather is great. There's a devil out there. And I've got to put covering on my family. The Bible says of Enoch, I love this about Enoch. It says Enoch lived like 300 years. Now, this is the crazy part. It says, then he had a son. <laughs> you go to the next slide. And the Bible says, when he had a son, then he began to walk with God. Oh, my goodness. Did y'all hear that in here? I don't know what Enoch was doing before that, but there's something about being responsible for other people in your life where there is a motivation now that I've got to start walking with God. Okay, what I'm saying is, is if you are by yourself, yeah, yeah, you should walk with God. Um, but you ought to especially <laughs> walk with God when you're responsible for other people. Amen. But there's got to be a vehicle for that. There's got to be a vehicle for that. Uh, guys, I want you to skip all the way down uh, to the slide that says having a family should drive you to call on God. Having a family should drive you to call on God. So notice now, Enoch... For 365 years before the flood, that's amazing, then he has a son. <laughs> 300, come on in here, son. It can happen for you, amen? If you believe God, <laughs> he's able, amen? He's able. <laughs> Lord, somebody said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> it's not going to happen, amen? But so he had a son at 365 years old, and then the Bible says he began to call on God. Notice, notice the second point I want to make to you is when God puts you in the midst of other people, you need to know God. All right. Okay, let me, let me simplify this. The best way to get close to God is to be with people. Amen. <laughs> I, I tweet about this all the time. It's called the people test. You can't really, uh, it's, it's hard to grow spiritually all by yourself. Uh, people help you to get close to God. <laughs> uh, hey, listen, this is rule number one why you should never say, I don't want to go to church. And for all my people who are watching online right now, praise God for you. We're glad that you have this, 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 uh, this, this feed that you can get at home, but you can't grow spiritually sitting down just watching this. See, you have to be amongst people to grow spiritually. You got to have a mama that get on your nerves. You got to have kids that drive you crazy. You have to have roommates that, that rub you the wrong way, that, that do stuff you don't like. You have to have a wife that knows how to get under, under your skin, under your toenails. You got to have a husband that gets on your last. What, how many nerves we got? It's thousands. Y'all ain't getting it, but he gets on the last nerve. You've got to have that because I was reading today, yesterday, from a Spirit of Prophecy. Ellen White says, she says that many of us, she says many of us have not passed the people test. 
We want to do what we do in isolation, but God wants to do what he wants to do in us in community. Oh, y'all not hearing me now. This is why God has to have a church, because you can't know whether you love God if you always by yourself. You have to be amongst people sometimes who love God and who don't love God. You have to have family members that are dysfunctional. If you don't have dysfunctional family members, then how is God going to teach you how to love folk who are dysfunctional? Better yet, and this is, oh, uh, 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 pull, up, pull, up, pull up my tweets. Pull up my tweets today. There's a tweet I got to find in a minute. Um, I'm trying to paraphrase this thing. One of the things Ellen White says is that we are no different from each other. A lot of times we look at the flaws of others and we, and we uh, what's the word I'm saying? We, we kind of, we elevate their flaws and we say, oh, shame on them. Oh, I, wouldn't, I can't stand when they do that. Uh, what Ellen says is that we ought to immediately pause and then remind ourselves that we're really no different. Maybe we do different stuff, but all of us get on somebody's nerves. <laughs> See, sometimes we try to make it seem like only folk get on our nerves. Oh, come on. You really are oh, really you get on somebody's nerves, too. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, no, everybody just don't get on your nerves. But you, you got my tweets right here. You got them. But sometimes you get on folks' nerves. Let me find this thing here. This, where's today? This is today's? Yep. Right in this thing right here? Ah, uh, okay. Mm. Here it is. No one can injure our character as much as ourselves. See, we're always saying people, my family, these Negroes I'm living with, they drive me crazy. These folks I'm working with. Uh, I heard somebody say they made me cuss them out. They made me go off. They pushed me over the ledge. Watch this now. Your girl says no one can injure our character as much as ourselves. And she goes on to say, and you read it when you get a chance. She says that she says that God has given. Uh, she says that when people try to align our reputation or fool or bother with us, she says it is a waste of energy for us to try to repair people's perceptions about who we are. She says you do more harm than good when you try to put out fires about what people think about you. She says the person that you ought to be afraid of of messing up your character is you. <laughs> You're the problem. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Stop blaming your family members. I don't care how crazy they are. I don't care if they all on crap. Come on in here. I don't care if they all steal. I don't care if they all lie. Remember that we're all alike. We all have issues. We all jack up. We all get on somebody's nerves. And the minute, and y'all hear me say this over and over again, the minute you start thinking that your stuff is better than theirs is the minute that you start harming your character more than they do. To be the master of one's spirit is to be stronger than kings or conquerors. We're so busy worrying about folks getting right. God says you are stronger than a warrior when you learn how to master your own stuff. Here's a, I'm going to give you a quick strategy. When you start seeing the dirt in people's lives, I got a strategy for you. Take about 30 seconds to remind yourself of all your dirt. You, if you get so preoccupied with people's flaws, then that's Satan's strategy to take your eyes off your stuff. Another thing that she says as I was continuing reading is that Pro, that, that, oh no, this is actually Proverbs. Proverbs says that strife only exists where there is pride. All right. There can be no strife in a family, no drama, no issues, no, if there's no pride. If you have totally had humble pie, then there's no strife. Strife only exists 
when you are caught up in yourself, in your opinion that you're right. And so what am I saying? So when we have these moments, what are we to do? We are to go to the altar. Uh, let me give you a few two pointers. Uh, go ahead and hit the next slide and we're going to let you go. How to create my family's legacy. Here we go. Next slide. Recreate. Number one, seek a relationship with God, not a religion. Now, what am I saying by that? Now, this is going to be hard for many of us to imbibe. Make family worship, household worship, spiritual practices in your home. Be, be as intentional about that as you are as intentional about coming to church on Sabbath. Some of y'all won't miss a Sabbath. But you done miss six days of time in his presence. And you're going to heaven. And you're a good Adventist, a good Christian. So the first thing with our families is, and I don't care how damaged your family is. God had to remind me this the other day. You got to learn that Samuel said, how can I sin against God and cease to pray for you? Did you hear what I just said? It is a sin when we do not pray for people. Amen. Amen. Prayerlessness is sin. Samuel said, he said, how can I sin against God? He was talking about Saul when Saul was acting a fool. He said, how can I sin against God and cease to pray for you? Saul is driving Samuel crazy. And instead of Samuel kicking his behind, calling down fire from heaven on his head if he wanted to. Samuel said to him, he says, oh, I got to get my perspective right. He says, I will sin against God by dogging you. I'll sin against God by talking about you. I'll sin against God by running my mouth to everybody else about you or by holding a grudge against you or by giving you the silent treatment. He says, the first thing that I need to do, he says, I cannot sin against God and cease to pray for you. Understand this, the most powerful weapon that a family has, that a father has, that a mother has, is the power of prayer. And I'm telling you this now, there are some people in my life that I have felt like it's impossible. They're never going to change. Nothing will happen to them. God has a way of changing folk. I'm telling you, I don't care how I don't care how stuck this person is. I don't care how old they are. I don't, I, I'm telling you, God can humble folk. God will do some stuff. You, but you have you cannot, you cannot be obsessed with their evil. You cannot be obsessed with the stuff they do. You have to be obsessed with prayer and saying, God, I, I so want to focus on how jacked up this person is. But instead, I'm going to focus on praying for them because if I cease to pray for them, it is a sin. Go to the next slide. Are y'all feeling me on that? Is that helping anybody? Number two, seek to be authentic and sincere. Uh, seek to be what, everybody? Authentic and sincere, love is real. One of the things I like to say, I'm just going to salute this and, and keep moving. God is not coming from heaven and loving on people. He did that already. Did you know that? When you, I'm just praying that the love of God will fill my heart. The way we experience love the way people experience love is from somebody else. See, what God does is God does not send his spirit in the air. The love of God is not in this air and it's going to fall on me. The love of God is transferable. So what God does is he sends his love in her. She loves me. And then I experience the love of God. Do you see how that works in a family? See, we're praying, God, just let your love fill this house. OK, what you should say is, God, let your love fill me. And if your love gets in me, then the love will get in the house. See, God does not work in the ethereal mist. He does not work through oxygen. And, and, and what else? What's the other stuff we breathe? What's in the air? I don't know. Hydrogen? What? Hydrogen? Yeah. H2O. Okay. Yeah. He's not like up in there. He's not in the air. He's not. We're not, we're not walking in love. We're not walking in the love of God. Well, the love of God flows through people. You will never experience the love of God until. And so I say this all the time. See, I never knew what forgiveness was 
even though God had died for my sins until I went to my wife and said I struggled with pornography. And my wife says, no matter what, I love you. See, then, oh, y'all not hearing me now. Then I experienced forgiveness. See, you cannot experience the love and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God independent of that flowing through somebody. It got to move through somebody. It ain't in just in the air. Come on in. It's got to go through somebody. If your child is going to know the love of God, then the love of God has got to be seen through you. By the way, the, the next three uh, sermons, we're going to talk about strategies on how to have life-changing family worship. But I ain't going to give you too much because I want you to buy the book. Amen? But after that, we're going to teach you how to have homes of grace. Oh, y'all better get ready for that. I'm so excited to teach on this thing. See, many of us did not grow up in a grace environment. We grew up in a performance and reward environment. If you're good, you get some ice cream. If you are, if Johnny, if Johnny, if Johnny took out the trash, then Johnny will be rewarded. And I'm not against that. But where do we ever teach our children about the unmerited favor and the grace of God? When will they ever see that God is not looking to destroy them and to kill them? And that simply because they've done wrong, they're going to get what they deserve. I don't know about you, but I don't get what I deserve. Anybody out here? Come on, talk to me. I ain't never got what I deserve. <laughs> Everybody in here is a thief. Come on in here, say we done stolen grace. Come on in here. Oh, I take that back. He paid it all, didn't he? He paid it on Calvary. Hey, salvation is full and free. We have to experience. They have to experience. Number three, uh, seek to overcome fears and insecurities. This is one of the ways, reasons. This is probably the biggest thing that prevents authentic communication. Now, let me say this. It's hard to have good family worship when you don't know how to communicate with each other. See, it's almost like coming to church and having a service, sitting next to somebody you don't like. And then going home. That, that didn't do nothing. You have to overcome these fears and insecurities so that you can communicate properly. And I'm going to show you that family worship is not sing a song, have prayer, somebody give a devotional, have prayer, and then it's over. Family worship really is when a family or a household comes together and God's presence shows up. I'll tell you about that. That sounds very general. Next one. Go to the next one. Amen. Amen. Amen in there. Next one. Hey, Orlando, how you doing, brother? Go to the next one. Yeah. Invite your family to seek God with you. Teach the word. Mm. This is why y'all should be in here with pen and paper. Because let's be honest, some of you ain't in no position to teach nobody the word. You don't know the word. You don't know it. The only thing you know is what somebody told you. But you, don't have, you wouldn't know how to systematically teach your child on their level about God's grace. Come on in here. You don't got to say amen. Amen. But many of us miss opportunities to learn the word so that we can teach the word. And our homes ought to be the first stop for the teaching of the word of God. Single, full family, whatever you are, nuclear family, doesn't matter. We need to invite those that are with us to seek God with us, with us. You you invite them. You don't command them. So you say, if if Michelle is my daughter, (laughs) amen. Amen. You say... You know, early in the morning, it's not, get, y'all get up. Get your behinds up. Everybody's wanting you. Time for worship. Come on, I can't get up. We get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Y'all come on. Hey, where's your father? Look, man. You know, while they're in the middle of a television, and they say, what I'm doing, my wife is laughing because my wife knows I do this. And so I'm preaching to myself. And so we're in the, my kid's in the middle of watching uh, Phineas and Ferb. I mean, they in. You know how it is when kids watch TV. A bomb could explode, and they don't know it. Is it like zombies? And I say, come on, it's time for worship. I say, it's time for Come on, y'all get up. It's time for worship. No, 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 no. Be wise. Wait till the program's over. Because you don't want their spirit to be disturbed. Yeah, yeah. Yo, your family members, they're in the middle of a movie. And that's not a good time to say, let's have worship. They're in the middle of a movie. And the, and the major twist is about to come. And then you just walk in there, turn the lights on, shut the TV off. It's time to pray. We watching a movie, y'all. Y'all ain't spiritual. Y'all ain't spiritual. I'm trying to bring God up in the house. Y'all heard what the pastor said. Pastor said we ought to have worship. That's not wise. 
Don't do that kind of stuff. I'm learning. I'm teaching from experience right now. But you invite and you invite at the right time. Somebody say at the right time. So you don't. So in other words, your family should know. <laughs> don't look at me. Turn your, turn your head around. Shanae. You turn your head around. Turn your. I don't like the way you're looking at me right now. I'm feeling guilty. <laughs> Let me preach over here. Hey, why you got to be in here? Go, Taylor, go, Taylor. Go get her. <laughs> okay, dude. Okay, I'm just, I'm, I'm basically imitating myself. That's the crazy thing about it. You invite, you do not demand. People should know in advance, Zach, when it's going to happen. So that there's no drama when the time for worship comes. So you tell them the day before, listen, mommy's got to get up early tomorrow. She's got to leave at four. So I'm letting you guys know in advance that I'm waking you up at four o'clock for prayer. I don't, listen, we, I ain't my kids' friends. I don't care. <laughs> I don't feel like getting I, Ain't nobody asked you. So what if that day mommy gets in a, 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 a car accident and her leg is severed? And she's on life support with tubes in her head. You, you don't have to explain to your kids then when they're in the hospital room standing around their mama that we should have got up and prayed. So you have to, hallelujah, you have to look ahead of stuff. You don't let your family or those in your household control the spiritual climate. You are a thermostat, not a thermometer. You set the temperature. You are the leader. You don't wait on them to tell you what the temperature you use wisdom, but you have to be like a hungry pit bull knowing that the enemy is coming to destroy your family. And you say, listen, guys, on tomorrow, we're going to worship God. We're going to come together at such and such a time. We're going to be together for about 10 minutes. But God has impressed my heart that we need to do this. And if you're a single person, you call your brother who's in California and you say, listen, listen, man, I know we've been distant, we're busy, but if you don't mind, I want to get with you every Wednesday and let's just spend about 10 minutes in God's presence. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're inviting them. You are not demanding of them. Everybody get up. (laughs) Boom, 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 boom. Get your butt up. Time for worship. No, no. Invite. Somebody say invite. Invite. All right. Uh, Keep it spiritual. Live the word. See, here's the other part. And I'm going to end with this. This is funny, too. Um, I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's real difficult to, you know, have had a drink (laughs) and then say, all right, we need to pray. You can't, you can't, you can't, your kids could not have heard you cuss somebody out on the phone and then say, you know what, we need to spend, we, we, I, I, I mean, listen, you may need to pray. Come on, say amen. But be humble about it. You know what I'm saying? Be spiritual. In other words, do not create a context where people resist worship because your lifestyle is not real. It's like your kids, they will do this. I'm telling you, if those of you who have kids, they will raise up on you. And they will be like, now after, y'all just watched that filthy movie last night. We trying to get spiritual all of a sudden? You will be dead in the water if you are a hypocrite. All right, real quick, seven steps right now. If you put this, be determined. Amen? I shared this last year. Be determined. And and listen, household leaders, be determined. All kind of stuff is going to try to come up to make you not do this. You got to be determined. Can I tell you a quick story? Let me keep going. I'll tell you about a story in a minute. Next one, number seven. Put them all up there, guys. Uh, It begins with the head. Whoever the head is of the house, if, if there's a man in the house, he is the head. I mean, if, I mean, if he's married and whatnot, but if you like, you know, if you got your brother living with you or something like that, and you paying the mortgage or the rent, then you the head. Come on, say amen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, it must be, it must be simple. It must be what? I mean, I'm sorry. It must be scheduled. Have scheduled time with God. This is what my family needs to get back to. We, we kind of, we definitely have scheduled worship every day in the van. On the way to school. That's the thing. 
But I want to I I take it to another level. It must be simple. Simple. At your first worship, do not bring out uh, the uh, last day events. <clears throat> Preparation for the final crisis. Keep that thing simple. Praise God in song. Pray over the family together. Get everybody involved. And uh, read a scripture and move on. But you'll see this in my book when you get it. Um, must be simple. Must be natural. Yeah, I notice how some, you ever seen some preachers when they get up to preach, like their voice changes? <laughs> you know, like they're like, you know, just a round the way guy at first. And then they get up there, turn with me in your Bibles. <laughs> to the book of Genesis. And so here you are in your family worship. Come on, everybody. It's time to worship him. Johnny, go get your Bible. Taekwondo. I want you to pray. And we're going to honor him tonight. We're going to bless him in this place. Put your hands together. Touch your neighbor. There's only two of y'all in there. <laughs> Be natural. Be natural. Be nat- Don't turn it on and off. We say no show. Be natural. It's mandatory. It's mandatory. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is a hard word. Some of you have grown people living in your house that you pay rent for. Can I, all right, can I tell you something? Because what I'm saying, see, when I say family worship, first thing people think is father, mother, children. When I say family worship, what I mean by family is whoever lives in your house, whoever they are. And, and, and my thing is, is if it's my house, either I'm paying the rent or my name is on the mortgage, then you're going to abide by my rules. Right. And in my house, whether you believe in God or not, you're going to have worship. Case in point, I can, I can give you a personal experience of this. This is fu- kind of funny because I'm, I'm going to imitate my dad by mistake, but don't let me. Okay. So in my, fa- in my family, there was five of us, right? Then we had this brother named Ralph that lived with us. We had my cousin Bobby that lived with us. My cousin Cynthia lived with us and her children. It wasn't big. You know how we do it. Come on. Anybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about? You have been there before? Folk everywhere. They all up, they all over the house. And then, sorry, Negroes, you know, they won't wash the dishes and they're just lazy. You know, you got those kind of folk in your house. So, crazy thing is, so my dad, though, I love, I love this about my father. This Look, man, this whole book, this whole theory on family worship, I learned as a kid. I was so blessed. Man, that thing was awesome. We had awesome family worship. One of the things my father would do, man, he didn't care who you were. If you living in my house, you can be 75. If you can't get out of your bed, we going to come up in your room. In your room. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? This is for people. This is for people who have non-unconventional uh, family households where you got folk living with you and there are other people in your house and whatnot. So what you say is, um, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And I'm just letting y'all know in advance some things are going to be changing around here. If you're going to stay here, we're going to have worship. And if they're scheduled, I know what you're saying. What about schedules and all that stuff? Well, I mean, what can you do? You know, do the best you can with what you have. But you tell them it's mandatory that if you live in Michelle Levy's house, that at such and such a time, at such and such a place, you need to be here for worship. And if you can't get with that, you can't live here. And and some of y'all think that's a little hard. But can I tell you why that's not so hard? Because you don't want somebody in your house that will not at least try, number one, to respect your values, number two, but make themselves available to the moving of the Holy Spirit. That person could drive your house crazy. They can bring a foul spirit up in there. Does everybody know what I'm talking about in here? Amen. I'm done. Any questions? Anybody have any questions? You got one? Okay. Any? Yes. 
The last one is, oh, I'm sorry, participatory. So when you're having worship within your home, don't let one person do everything. Involve others in the process. Matter of fact, for example, in my, when I'm in the car in the morning with the kids, um, I say it's time for worship. My kids know off the top. I say, Camden, it's time for you to lead, lead song. Camden will lead the song. Taylor, you pray. The, 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 the blah, blah, blah. You know, so I'm involving people in the process. Anybody else? Any other questions, ideas, suggestions that you want to give to us just for a brief minute? We have a few seconds. Yes. She said, how many times a day do you do it? Look, I'm just going to tell you all right now. In the Bible, it was morning and evening. That was the way it was in the scriptures. But look, someone else ain't doing it but twice a year. <laughs> what I'm saying is, y'all, you need to start somewhere and do it at least for these 40 days once a day. That's the challenge. The whole challenge is, and let me tell you why this is why 40, why we picked 40, why we always do 40. Next year we're going to do, um, and by the way, Linda, we need to start meeting on that now. We're going to do 40 days of health. 21 days they say it takes to, you know, establish a habit, uh, give or take. I'm telling you, anything I've done for 40 days, it becomes lifestyle. 